0: Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420 and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075 are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey.
1: Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, July 28th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell.
2: And co-host, Keelan Harvey.
1: You're a local mortgage experts, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-400-1150. Again, that's 1-855-400-1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for our show today, Andrea Kearns with Remax Metro Realty. Everything you need to know about today's real estate market and how to ensure you get the most money for your property. And next guest in studio, Vanessa Bancourt with Century 21.0. WP and Associates, the truth about being a first-time homebuyer. And last guest in studio, Vince Humphrey, attorney at law with Humphrey and Associates, divorcing, not questions regarding your property today, but divorce, or what do you need to know when it comes to real estate and a divorce? Great information, great guest in studio today. For more information on any topic to discuss, please feel free to call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411 or online at themoneyr.com, And we'll start out today's show just like we do each week with a little money chat.
0: Money. Money.
1: interesting topic today, Seattle's landlords selling due to new rental laws. This could actually be great news to assist with the inventory shortage in the Seattle real estate market. We've seen a little shift in the market. We're going to talk about that a little bit later today when we talk with Andrea, but we're still very low inventory compared to what's considered a normal market. A recent University of Washington study on Seattle showed that 40% of Seattle landlords gave, gave sold, or planning to sell their properties due to the new rental laws. Purchasing real estate for investors is viewed as an investment, just like like any other investment like stock it's an investment where they want to make a strong return but some Seattle landlords don't find the new rental rules to be worth it the rules ex- include expanded source of income protections a ban on using criminal records as a deterrent factor restricting the size of security deposits in the first in the law, which forces landlords to take the first renter that applies and meets the criteria. It was recently struck down by a superior court judge, but the city of Seattle has filed an appeal, so investors are getting nervous and pulling out, maybe a little bit early, we'll see. Not only are landlords finding it difficult to maintain their properties under all the new ordinance, but they don't believe in any of them are actually making Seattle more affordable. According to the report, one in five increased their rents in the past year in response to the new city ordinance. Thousands of local landlords do not believe that the city of Seattle should be attempting to make housing more affordable. That's one insight from the survey released in the University of Washington. The online survey asked 4,236 property owners and managers about their practices, Seattle's landlord-tenant laws, and their feeling about the Seattle Council, City Council. In a surprise to no one, they are really mad and despite landlords lobbyists insisting that landlords are really nice people who are just like us the landlords who participated in the survey showed little appreciation for the city council efforts to help renters now the survey gave respondents a list of potential goals and asked them which of the goals that the city council should have as the established the housing policies the goal included things that would favor tenants like increasing the supply of rental units providing affordable housing and things that would favor the landlords like making it easier for them to terminate leases and reducing risk to landlords associated with providing affordable housing units. Now the vast majority of the landlords responded, 89% 89 chose none of the goals. Not one of the goals has been supported for more than 1% of the respondents. Just crazy numbers. Now the UW research has also conducted small focus groups with a total of 46 landlord tenants and tenant representatives. Landlords said that they feel shut out of the council's deliberations about rental regulations and demoralizing by the council. Now, since 2015, the city council has banned housing discrimination based on source of income, special move-in deals based on renters' employers, bared rent increased at uh, substandard housing units, required landers to, landlords to offer payment plans for move-in fees, required landlords to rent to the first qualified applicants known as first-in-time, and barred landlords from refusing to because of the criminal records. So landlord groups have sued over the laws regarding criminal record records, first qualified applicants and the move-in fees. Now, some lenders, landlords said already practice some things in the council, ones like offering payment plans for move-in cost, but don't want to be forced to do so. Now, from the renters' perspective, the city founded report indicated that the biggest issues with housing are affordability, discrimination, lack of inheritance to the awareness of rental laws and limited transparency in the application process rental prices remain high but have gradually flattened out according to data tracked from Zillow so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out again I think it's great news as far as the lack of inventory to get some more uh, properties on board um, for any of my renters or my investors out there that have rental properties I know it's not so it's such good news for you but overall um, it's not all bad news. That's the money chat for today. Coming up next in the money are everything you need to know about today's real estate market and how to ensure you get most money for your property. Andrea Kearns with Remax Metro Realty right here at 1150 a.m. KKNW after this short break.
3: Would you like to make a real difference for local individuals and families that are struggling with poverty, homelessness, abuse, and violence? Assistance League of the East Side is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that works to improve the lives of our neighbors every day. With your generosity, we can help individuals and families right here in our community through our philanthropic programs, including Operation School Bell. This year, Operation School Bell has provided 3,500 local children in need the opportunity to shop for new clothes, shoes, and coats. This helps them focus on learning and they go to school with more confidence. To learn more about how you can become a volunteer with our organization or make a tax-deductible donation, visit aleastside.org. Never imagined your marriage would be ending? Not sure if you're going to be the weekend parent? How long is the divorce process going to take, and who can you trust? The attorneys at Humphrey & Associates understand that these are just a few questions that may be going through your mind. You're not alone, and they've helped many people in your same position. Their mission is to serve you while you get through this difficult time. Divorce and parenting plans are difficult enough. Working with an attorney shouldn't be. Humphrey & Associates is committed to providing affordable legal services that you can trust. You need good, solid legal advice that isn't going to cost a fortune. Worry no more. To schedule your free consultation, just call 206-946-8580 or go online to halegalteam.com.
4: Hi, this is Vincent Humphrey. Go ahead and give us a call today at 206-946-8580 or you can reach us online at halegalteam.com. Again, that's 206-946-8580 or online at halegalteam.com. Love to hear
0: from you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey.
1: Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell.
0: And co-host, Keelan Harvey.
1: Your local mortgage experts right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, July 28th show. It's a great day to talk money, and that's what the show is all about, how to make money, save money, and have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we are here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at one 855 Four hundred eleven fifty, or you can go online at themoneyhour.com. In studio, our first guest, Andrea Kearns with Remax Metro Realty. Everything you need to know about today's real estate market and how to ensure you get the most money for your property. Andrea, welcome.
5: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, so excited to have you here. And a little bit about Andrea. Uh, Andrea is in her fifteenth year real estate as a full time broker. She grew up outside of the Portland, Oregon, and Lake.
5: Lake Oswego.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And always dreamed of being a real estate agent when she grew up. After graduating from OSU with a business major and minor in communication and marketing, she moved to Seattle where she met her husband. They live in Ballard with their two boys, ages four and seven. And Andrea started real estate with John L. Scott, then moved over to REMAX where she has been for the past 11 years. She has been awarded the REMAX Hall of Fame Award and has continually ranked in the top 10 in her office congratulations for that Andrea thank you Andrea couldn't be happier doing her dream job as well as helping buyers and sellers all around Seattle
2: so Andrea we've noticed the markets changed a bit so compared to six months ago how's the market today
5: yeah, we've definitely had a shift, to say the least. Um, six months ago, it was very, very crazy busy, um, but we, like Tina was saying, we've had a little more inventory come on the market. Yeah. So there's been a big shift, um, which has been super nice for the buyers. They're getting a nice breath of fresh air. Like, oh, it's not seven offers on a house. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. one or two, maybe three, but not much. So yeah, it's it's been nice for the buyers. Sellers are are kind of going, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm.
1: And what a great call to action, uh, right, Andrea, to really get with... uh, clients that are out there that are that have been defeated to, you know, get back into the market.
5: For sure. So,
1: Andrea, why do you think that the market has seen this little bit of slowdown?
5: Well, every summer we always have a bit of a slowdown in Seattle. It's kind of a typical real estate cycle, but we had the slowdown happen a bit earlier this year. It was more in May um, where everyone kind of went, hey, what's going on? So we've definitely had a lot more inventory, and I think that that can be due to a number of, of reasons. It can be people, I've had people reach out to me and just say, hey, you know what? It's getting too expensive in yes. Seattle.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, B, I'm frustrated with the tenant laws in Seattle. Yes. Uh, I don't want to be a landlord anymore. There's been a lot of different reasons why people are selling, and they've also seen, hey, my neighbor's getting you know a ton of money, it doesn't yes. seem like they have to do much to sell their house, so hey, I want to do it too. Well. It's, it's changed, so yeah. we'll talk about that more. Yes.
2: <laughs> Are we still seeing, like, these multiple offer crazy scenarios? or? Y-
5: yes and no. I mean, we're not seeing it like we were. And the last five buyers that I got in contract over the last month, all of them were the only offer wow. on the review date. And yeah. so we're starting to see a little bit of people pricing their properties as they want to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the price that they want to sell them at, and not doing review dates, which is also another nice shift for the buyers. Yes.
1: Well, I know Keelan's had a couple of recent deals come over where the seller is paying closing costs. That's craziness. I had two offers where they've got contingent on their home selling right now under contract. They're still, they're waiting for their house to sell, Um, you know? So yeah, it's interesting. And it's, it's funny because this is a normal, I mean, this is a normal market. What you expect is to have some ability to kind of negotiate things, right? Crazy. Negotiate. We haven't been (laughs) used to that that? in years. (laughs) And now we're actually
5: seeing it again. I feel like I'm bringing back all my old real estate skills again. It's like, oh my gosh, we get to actually like, negotiate contracts. Yes. We haven't done that in years. Yes. It's so great. It's
1: so awesome. So, yeah. so Andrea, what about the cash buyers? Because that's always been a real challenge in the recent. Are you seeing that there's as many cash buyers? And when you are seeing the cash buyers, uh, is it or, or is it causing the, you know a frenzy around that? Because...
5: Yeah, cash buyers, it's we're not seeing as much as we were. And why is that? Where know, are those
1: cash buyers going? I don't well, I know. I guess with the investors yeah. coming in to pay, you know, cash with the rental laws that's
5: Yeah. But and you know, people were like, I'm getting beat out left and right due to mm-hmm. all these cash offers. And now, you know, it's maybe five percent of the time that you'll see cash offers and yeah. like I said, five buyers that I got in contract this last month. All of them were the only offer, so they weren't having to compete against all cash. So Yeah, that's and where,
1: really nice. what, where were those properties located? Uh, mostly uh, over
5: in Ballard and Seattle crazy. area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, if homeowners are thinking of selling, and I know we've had a change in the market, and that kind of comes up to the forefront of their brain, what are some of the things they can do to ensure they get the most money uh, out of their property?
5: Well, sellers really need to get their property in tip top shape. Mm-hmm. This is not the market where you just put a sign in the front and let it sell. That's not the way it's going anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got to fix all those things that you've had on the back burner and like, oh, I was going to do that last year. I haven't gotten to it or whatever it is. If you're thinking of selling, do all of those things. Get it looking. It's very, very best. Get it staged. Get the windows cleaned. Get it painted. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are just easy things that can be done. And it, it's it more than pays for the money that you put in, yeah. you get it out exponentially.
1: Yeah, and isn't it true too, Andrea, with that, regardless of what market we're in? And that's where I think say, sellers have gotten lazy that all of those advice that you're giving is a given in any market because it's going to uh, allow them to get top dollar, regardless if they have yes. one offer or 20 offers, yes. you want your house to be the best it possibly can yes. to create the best situation, right? For sure, for so sure. So let's talk about price, Andrea. Yeah. What What different things are you doing when you're talking with your sellers on specific price strategies that accommodate to the market adjustment?
5: Yeah. So in the past, we've been, you know, saying, well, you know, I know you want to sell it here up high, but we need to price it down here, down low, mm-hmm. because we need to generate all this interest and we need to get multiple offers. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's not really the case. We're saying, hey, if you want, you know, 750 for your house, that's, that's the market value. That's where we're going to price it. And that's where we need to be, because you may only get a one offer. And are you going to be OK with that? Yeah. So I think the the sellers need to be a little more realistic about the market. This isn't going to be bid up over 100000 and you're going to have 10 offers, and they're going to give away their firstborn. That's not happening anymore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's goodness like, for I know, the I know. <laughs> Yeah. I know. So, so the sellers just need to kind of adjust their mindset. If we've had a shift and we Mm -hmm. just need to be a little more realistic about this market, that we're kind of getting into, I don't know, a little more balance? Yes.
1: Dare I say? I don't know. I think
5: it might be a little more balance, which is just... I think, nice on all sides of the transactions. Mm
1: -hmm. Totally agree. And, you know, that's really why, again, working with an expert um, like yourself and Vanessa that we're talking with today uh, next, why it's so important to have an expert working for you because strategies change. They're going to be different depending on what market you're in. And so really um, understanding and working with an expert that can strategize around that price.
5: For sure.
2: So, Andrea, I'm a homeowner in Seattle, and I'm curious, What I mean, when's the best time for me to sell?
5: Typically, we always say the spring is a great time to sell, and that's due to the fact that when the new year hits, there's a lot of buyers that decide, hey, it's a new year. I want to own a home. I want, I want to buy. So then they kind of get into the market. Um, as the spring happens, you have a little more inventory come on, and you have a lot more buyers come on. So typically, there are less homes for sale than there are buyers. So there is this spring frenzy in the Seattle market where we have a little more buyers than we do inventory. It's been a little jaded these last few years, but that's typically what we say. I mean, granted, any time of the year you can always sell your home, mm-hmm. but if you're going to get, you want the most most money possible, the spring is usually the best time.
1: So Andrew, what if we switch over to buyers historically in the Seattle market? Mm-hmm. When is the best time to buy?
5: Now. Now yeah. is the best time yes. to buy. I always tell my buyers who get frustrated in the spring, don't don't worry, come summertime you're going to get a house. And lo and behold, it's usually July, August, where their inventory starts to really get higher and higher, and the buyers kind of dwindle, dwindle, and they're like, oh my gosh, I actually got a house. So now is a great time. And then even as we move into the fall, you'll see much more houses come on in the fall. Again, we have a nice shift. September, October, we'll have a little more inventory, which would be really nice. And then um, the winter, there isn't as much inventory but the buyers can get great deals because the people that are selling November yes. December have to sell.
1: Exactly. It's, they're
5: not choosing to and sell. And majority over aren't, the aren't there holidays. out there looking
1: at houses because right. they've got other things. So you have less competition as well. Exactly. Yeah.
5: Exactly.
2: So let's say I'm uh, looking into selling my house in the next 6 months. What do I need to know now?
5: Um, I would say that you need to get your house ready and you need to set your expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, Hire a professional. Talk to a professional real estate agent. Ask them about the market. Do they know your um, neighborhood? Do they know the ins and outs and how houses are selling in that market? What are some good strategies? Just get educated. Get your house in tip-top shape so that you're ready when the time comes to sell.
1: Yeah, great advice. Uh, What about for our buyers that are listening right now? If they're thinking, well, you know, maybe I might be thinking of buying in the next six months. What should they be doing to prepare to get into the market?
5: Also, get educated. Yes. Figure out which neighborhood you want to live in, where you want to be, and mostly get pre-approved. Talk to you guys. That's Amen. where they need Thank to go. Thank you very much. First yes. step. Thanks they for need the to, shout out. Yeah. They need to go talk to you guys, get pre-approved so that they know they have a realis- realistic uh, t- um, mindset as to what can I afford, what do those payments look like, and then how does that translate to the markets that I want to potentially move into. Yeah. But interest rates are still great and still a fantastic time to buy.
1: We'd love to know your success and what you credit it to.
5: Oh, you know, I think it's always just um, a passion for what I do. Like you mentioned in my little bio in the beginning... As a little kid, I always wanted to be a real estate agent, which is kind of odd because I don't know that every kid growing up is like, hey, I want to be a real estate agent. Neither my parents are in the business. It just was something that was always in me. So um, I I feel very fortunate to be able to be doing uh, my dream job and being very successful at it. I'm also very honest, very straightforward with everyone that I work with. Um, And I think that people really appreciate that. I'm not here to sell anything to you. I'm here to give you honest advice and to kind of guide you through the process. Um, So I'd say that that's probably the keys to my success. So
1: uh, Andrea, things that you're seeing that are causing some, uh, some challenges right now for your buyers even though the market is becoming a little more favorable for them.
5: Yeah, I would say um, because there is more inventory, they have a lot more choices. Um, so now it's like, oh, well, I don't have to make a decision in two days on a home. I actually can wait a week. Um, so there is a lot more inventory to get through. Um, buyers are definitely, I would say, not as quick to make decisions. So um, it's, it's taking a little more time uh, for those buyers. But I think once they narrow in on a property... Um, if they've got a good agent, they're usually able to secure that. Um, I think that they just need to understand that even though there is more inventory on the market, you're still not going out and getting a home you know, at a major discounted price. There's not these amazing deals out there. You know, as I've always told my buyers, the deal is you get a home. That's yeah. the deal. Congrats. Yeah. 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 Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Um, yeah. But uh, there's always a little bit of wiggle room. But, you know, if there isn't, then be okay with that. If this is really the right house, you got to look at it as a long-term investment and something that you could, you know, if, if you're paying a couple thousand more than you thought you were going to, hmm Look at it over, you know, 5, 10, 15, 30 years. Is that really going to make a difference in the long run? Probably not, because you're going to have the home that you really, really wanted.
2: Yes. Andrea, my favorite question, share a success story with us. Is there something specifically comes to mind like a favorite success story?
5: Favorite success story. Because I know you
1: got a stack of them.
5: I know. You're putting me on the spot here. (laughs) Um, Okay. Success story. Well, I would say probably my... I, the biggest successes have been in these multiple offer situations where mm-hmm. you go, oh my gosh, there's no <laughs> way that they're gonna get this or whatever it may be. Um, I had some buyers that were um, it, VA, you know, five percent down. Actually, they were zero down. Uh-huh. It was a multiple offer situation. There was ten offers, and um, they the home uh, they there was they were they were wondering how much do we have to go above to actually get this home? And I was like, well, you know, we kind of have to give it all we got because one of those things where if you're a seller and you're looking at these 10 offers, um, at what point do you say this offer is better than this offer? Mm -hmm. Well, usually it's money. So let's put that in there, but let's also write the letter. Let's do everything we can to put you guys in the best position. So what they ended up doing was just offering what they felt was a fair price for the home, but also close to... You know their max amount, but mm-hmm. they were willing to go to that amount because they felt like this is our dream house. Yeah. Um. And so we did it, and we actually got it. And there was yeah, ten other that. offers, and I thought, Wow, how in the heck? And they said it was a family home that was in the business or in in the family for thirty plus years, wow. and they wrote a great letter about you know they were pregnant with their first child and mm. all that. And I think that you know knowing some sometimes, um. Sellers like to hear those kinds of things. Yeah, and, um, love so, yeah. that.
1: Great success story. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming into the studio, sharing your wealth of information uh, with our listeners. Yeah. And coming up on the Money Hour, the truth about being a first-time homebuyer. Vanessa Bettencourt with Century Twenty-One WP Associates, right here at eleven fifty a.m. KKNW. After the short break.
5: noticed our community is experiencing a homeless crisis like never before but what you might not know is that homeless families especially mothers with children are on the rise they're one of the fastest growing groups right now they are unsafe on the streets and although they may not be visible they are out there and they need our help mama's hands is changing lives in our community through the house of hope it's a shelter for women and children in need house of hope provides not only support services but a home-like environment for these families. After they graduate from the program, House of Hope staff continue to keep the families engaged and supported through a whole year-long aftercare program.
6: I'm Kimberly Jackson, director at Mama's Hands. We would love to have you get more involved in helping homeless families and individuals in crisis in our community. Please visit our website at mamashands.org. That's M-A-M-M-A-S-H-A-N-D-S dot O-R-G, mamashands.org. Thank you.
0: You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co host, Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey.
1: Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell.
0: And co-host, Keelan Harvey.
1: You're a local mortgage expert it's right here on 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, July 28th show. It's a great day to talk money. That's what the show's about, what it's all about, how to make money and have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or can connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-400-1150. Again, that's one 855 400 1150 or you can go online at Mm themoneyhour.com and our next guest in studio vanessa bettencourt with century 21 wp associates the truth about being a first time home buyer vanessa first time in studio thanks for visiting us thank
6: you for having me
1: and a little bit about vanessa Vanessa is with Century 21, WP and Associates, and a Seattle native. She's been with WP and Associates for three years, sharing her knowledge and believing that we are more than just real estate agents. We have the ability to educate and to help people achieve homeownership. She firmly believes that you have to give to receive. She partners with World Vision in Columbia to provide school supplies for kids in high poverty areas and involved locally with Seattle Public Schools, offering homebuyer education classes to parents and staff her favorite part about real estate is the relationship that is made that lasts long after the transaction is closed her commitment to providing excellent customer service is what sets her apart from the rest
2: Vanessa what is the most common myth that you hear from people before they start this buying a home process
6: um I hear a lot of things uh, ranging from you need to have a large down payment um the one that i recently heard was that you need to get into debt to fix your credit or to raise your credit yes i had a situation not too long ago where um a friend called me and said they had spoken to somebody else a while ago that suggested because they did not have strong enough credit they go and buy a car so they had the money saved up and they used it to buy a car. Wow, and when she crazy. told me that, I just I couldn't believe it. I was like, who told you that? And why didn't you come to me first? Oh, no. So it, it was very um, frustrating when people hear all these myths. And instead of educating themselves and finding out the truth, they just kind of go with the first opinion that they get. Um, but we're working with her and uh-huh. soon we should be able to get her in a home. Um, I also hear a lot that people, that they want to change jobs before they apply for a loan, mm. oh. which is always a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good, you know, you have to meet with your your lender first. And if there is a job change in the future, please let them know. I always tell my buyers, don't do anything that can change your financial situation yep. When you're in the pre-approval process, mm-hmm. um, I know that if you are getting a better job with a letter with an offer letter, it can be done, but always make sure you speak to your lender before you make any drastic changes to your financial situation.
1: You know, great advice, Vanessa, because there's a lot of people that think that they're doing the right thing, but until you talk with an expert, whether it's an expert on the real estate side when it comes to real estate or the expert on the mortgage side when it comes to mortgage, and yeah, I do want to make a, a yeah. comment on what you said about credit, because the best way is to get added to an all, uh, to an uh, uh, authorized user to someone's established account. I mean, there's easy ways around that, um, so that's um, sad but I'm glad that you were able to help them and get them into a a better situation. So, Vanessa, how is it different working with first-time homebuyers versus people that have gone through the process before?
6: Working with first-time homebuyers, um, I feel that the education portion of the process is huge. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that my buyer understands the entire process with the internet and cell phones just make it so easy to text and to do electronic signature. I feel that it's important for your agent to meet with you the very first time, at least uh, to go over the purchase and sale line by line and make sure that they understand completely exactly what they are signing. Um, I feel lucky also that I work with sellers So I can see I know the other side. And so I try to build a relationship with the with the listing agent so that I can go back to my buyers and say, look, I spoke to the agent. This is what's going on. This is what the seller wants. And we can put our best foot forward and avoid the frustration of getting beat out um, just by communicating with the with the listing agent.
2: Makes a lot of sense. So speaking of first-time homebuyers, I'm looking in, let's say we're deeper in the process. I found a house I like and I want to put in an offer. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts on waiving inspection and uh, asking over uh, the listing price for first-time homebuyers.
6: The market in the past has made people do some crazy things, Uh, one of them including waiving inspection, crossing things off of contracts, you know waiving and waving an infection it can be a dangerous thing The most important thing is we want to protect your assets. We want to make sure that there's no expensive surprises, that you don't come into a home and you have to change the roof or you have to do all the electrical or there's water in the crawl space. So unless you're a contractor, um, I always recommend get a home inspection or do a pre-inspection now that the market has changed a little bit. We actually have time to do pre-inspection because, you know, before it's like we see a house, they're reviewing offers tomorrow. Are we making an offer or not? You know, yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely eased up a little bit in that aspect. That it's not as risky for the consumer um, to you know, to get into a house and they don't have to risk their inspection. And it's definitely worth the uh, four to five hundred dollars for that peace of mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I'm excited about having a little more of a, you know, balanced market. It's it's a healthy, um, not quite yet are we there, but maybe heading towards that. So what advice yeah. do you have for your frustrated buyers, especially when working with a lot of first time home buyers? There's a lot of frustration and getting bidded out. And you probably have buyers that have actually just given up on the process all to- altogether. So what is your advice to them?
6: Um, my advice would be don't give up. Yes. Um, keep going. It's, you know, it's always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Don't give up the motivation. Be sure to have an agent that is equally as motivated as you. Good point. And is equally as, you know, focused on I'm going to get in my house and it's temporary. You're not going to be searching for a home forever. But once we find the home and we get you under contract, you're going to forget that you were even dealing with the frustrations of, getting, of bidding wars.
2: Yeah. Vanessa, what are some of the benefits? I know one of the approaches could be going after a house that's been sitting on the market for a while uh, when it comes to negotiating. What are some of the benefits of taking that approach?
6: Um, I always like to have my buyers consider houses that have been on the market for a little bit longer, um, when a house has been on the market longer, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be, you know that it's might be a little bit overpriced. Maybe the sellers are not as motivated, and the price usually goes with the motivation of the seller. So I always tell my buyers, just because it's been on the market, don't disregard mm-hmm. that house. If it fits your criteria, let's go take a look at it. <clears throat> maybe we can offer a little bit lower. As for closing costs, there's more room for negotiation.
1: Yeah. And I think that's such great <clears throat> advice to really go after what nobody else is going after. Exactly. And if it doesn't make sense, you'll know you're doing the pre, you know, the mm-hmm. inspection and you're going through all of the processes. And so um, great advice. So what about choosing a real estate agent? Uh, Vanessa, how would you advise the best way to do that? And also working with a big brokerage like Windermere, John L. Scott, or with your like your company Century Twenty One,
6: <clears throat> um, I f- I feel that it's more based on the relationship you have with this person. Mm-hmm. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them, so it needs to be somebody that you trust, somebody that. Is not going to push you and yeah. that is willing to walk away from a deal if it's not in your best interest. Um, the NRA, <clears throat> the National Association of Realtors did a study and they asked what's the most important thing that people look for when choosing a real estate agent, and it was trust. Yeah. So we didn't sign up with WP and Association until like six, seven months ago. Before that, I never had somebody that said, I didn't want to work with you because I don't know who WP is.
2: Wow. So. Yeah. What advice do you have for people that are still a couple years out but homeownership is in the back of their mind?
6: I think that the moment you start thinking about buying a home is the time that you should start getting ready. Mm-hmm. Whether it is, you know, the first step is gonna be speak to a lender, figure out where you're at right now. Amen. And you'd be surprised, sometimes they're actually ready to go and they thought their credit score was too low. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that hold people back, like I don't have enough down payment, but there's programs for everything. Of them. But you don't know where to go if you don't know where you're starting. So meet with your lender, meet with Keelan and Tina, and we can set up a roadmap for you um, and get you in the home. And the the most, the most important thing for me is the education portion of it, is teaching them how credit works. Telling them, okay, you're seven months out, don't increase your debt, lower your debt, you know, do this, this and that. So we can set up a game plan so that you are ready, you know, in six, seven months, two years, whatever yes. it may be um, that you need to do.
1: Yeah, and you nailed it, Vanessa, because um, in, you know, the thousands of clients that we've met with, there's so many <clears> times that people think, wow, I'm really not in a position to do it, but my agent told me the first thing I need to do is is talk with you for lending. And they're pleasantly surprised that, wow, I can, or the example you gave in, they try doing things thinking it's the, the right thing, and um, it's well, in that situation, it was advised by their lender, mm-hmm. but, you know, really putting together that plan again, uh, great advice. So, Outside of not preparing up front and really making sure they're going through those steps to find out where they're at, what would you say would be the next uh, biggest mistake that you would see, especially first-time homebuyers making?
6: Um, the biggest mistake, I would say not being realistic with what they're looking for. Mm. Yeah, I always tell my buyers we're not trying to find your dream home or you shouldn't really be trying to find your dream home when it's your first home. Yeah, It's your starter home. You're not going to be here for the, be in that house for the rest of your life. You're going to outgrow it. You're going to start a family. <clears throat> so looking at something that is going to be comfortable for you because at the end of the day, you don't want to be a slave to your mortgage either. Yes. You don't want to mm-hmm. lose quality of life. So I would say um, keeping it real And just making sure that your needs are met and differentiating your needs versus your wants. And having a good real estate agent, they'll help you, you know, show you the way and say, you know, your mortgage is going to be $1,000 over what you want Mm -hmm. because you need the five-piece master bathroom. but if you go without it with this house... Your mortgage is going to be in the area that you want it to be. And that's be. a good
1: way to explain it. Really, it's a boils it boils down to what that payment's going to be, how much mm-hmm. it's going to cost them. And if you go, well, this is an extra thousand dollars, is it really worth that in the things that you're going to need to give up? And if it is, that's great. But if not, they've got that
2: information.
6: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Vanessa, what about, uh, what about a first time buyer that thinks they can't afford in a house in Seattle? What would you tell them?
6: That thinks they cannot afford a house in Seattle. Well, the, the houses in Seattle, they're a little pricey. Um, I would say open up your, your search. Yeah. Um, you know, go a little bit north, go a little bit south. We're seeing a lot of activity in like Renton, Kent, Maple Valley, and then in the north end like Everett, places like Silver Lake, mm-hmm. um, Mill Creek. Those are really good areas for you to find your, for your starter home.
1: Yeah. And, you know, thank you so much for all of the commitment. I know you you work with a lot of buyers, investment buyers and, you know, move up buyers. But I know that you have a passion with first time home buyers, And I, you know, thank you for um, putting some focus on that market because a lot of real estate experts don't. It's more work. Um, And so, yeah. So thank you. And thanks for coming in and visiting us in studio. We're excited to have you come back. Thank
6: you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And coming up next on The Money Hour, we have Vincent Humphrey, Humphrey, attorney at law at Humphrey & Associates, divorcing. Hot questions regarding real estate when it comes to divorce, right here at eleven fifty AM, KKNW After this short break.
3: Never imagined your marriage would be ending? Not sure if you're going to be the weekend parent. How long is the divorce process going to take, and who can you trust? The attorneys at Humphrey & Associates understand that these are just a few questions that may be going through your mind. You're not alone, and they've helped many people in your same position. Their mission is to serve you while you get through this difficult time. Divorce and parenting plans are difficult enough. Working with an attorney shouldn't be. Humphrey & Associates is committed to providing affordable legal services that you can trust. You need good, solid legal advice that isn't going to cost a fortune worry no more. To schedule your free consultation, just call 206-946-8580 or go online to halegalteam.com.
4: Hi, this is Vincent Humphrey. Go ahead and give us a call today at 206-946-8580 or you can reach us online at halegalteam.com. Again, that's 206-946-8580 or online at halegalteam.com. Love to hear from you.
0: You're listening to The Money Hour with your host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey.
1: Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell.
0: And co-host, Keelan Harvey.
1: Your local mortgage experts right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the July 28th show. Bringing into studio each week the best of the best experts on everything regarding your money. We're here to help you in today's economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at one 855 41150 again that's 1855 41150 or online at the moneyar.com and right now I'll have a conversation with Vincent Humphrey attorney at law with Humphrey and Associates and we're talking about divorcing and how that can affect your property. Vincent, thank you so much for coming back in studio.
4: Tina, always a pleasure to be here.
1: Likewise. So a little bit about Vincent. Uh, Vincent Humphrey, again, attorney at law with Associate Humphrey and Associates, PLLC, which focuses on family law and civil litigation. His passion is bringing justice and clarity to those in need. His experience allows him to work well in many different situations, and his service first Mentally allows him to break past the toughest scenarios. Vincent holds a Jurisdoctorate degree from the University of Idaho College of Law and a bachelor's of Arts degree from the University of Washington. He has advised executives from Fortune 100 companies as well as the working man and woman at the local grocery store, so he works with them all. Vincent participates in a very uh, various legal organizations in King County where he mentors other lawyers and is interested in helping good people going through tough situations. And it kind of sounds like a little bit of a passion behind what you do and I really Love that. Good people that are going through difficult situations is uh, a great thing to be able to do, Vincent. And really, today we're talking about um, the unfortunate situation of going through a divorce. As we know that there are many good people going through that bad situation, and being this is about money, talking a lot about real estate, bringing in uh, how that's going regarding your property um, is a topic that I wanted to go over. So, Vincent, what can you explain to my list listeners what community property means?
4: Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, I can give the, the legal definition from the RCW, but I don't want anybody to go to sleep <laughs> <Yeah>. today.
1: <laughs> your description, your definition. Yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, and, and just as a precursor, I, I know I said I'm, I'm thankful to be here, but I just want everybody to know that's listening uh, that but Tina, you're wonderful. Tina, you know, just Aww. quick, quick, sh- Plug for her. She wrote a book, uh, and she actually allowed me to have a copy of that. And I actually just finished it, and so I hadn't had an opportunity to see her since then. But uh, for those of you that don't know who she is, she's an amazing person. She's not paying me to say this, but I'm saying she's an amazing person, and I uh, hold her in that much higher regard. So I just wanted to say that at the outset that Tina, I'm so happy to be here and see you you, and know a little bit more about your backstory. And uh, for those of you that I don't know about that. You definitely should check that out. It'll give you a better perspective as to who she is and why she does what she does. But enough of that. Have community property, Thank right? You. That's the community question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, we a couple of years back, I was uh, just looking through just some of our archives at our office. And this is a situation that comes up very frequently. And so I remember we did a show. Uh, I think literally about two years ago, talking about mm-hmm. community property and money, and it is something that comes up consistently yeah. with our clients. And I think it's one of those things that uh, will help a lot of people. So if you're listening and you're you know in that situation, uh, pay attention here. So going through the divorce process, uh, one of the things to know in Washington State is that there's really three different. Uh, frames, if you will, of how property is looked at. And when I say property, Mm -hmm. we're meaning obviously your tangible property, such as a house, but also other soft assets, stocks or other bonds or Mm -hmm. other sort of uh, assets that are appreciating in value. So uh, like I said, I won't define it, but in our RCW, uh, it defines it as things that you have that have been acquired since the date of I do. So a lot of times for my clients, I tell them that uh, when you said, I do, that opened up this new category called yes. community property. So people going through a divorce, uh, a lot of them know that. They say, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's 50-50, right? And that's within the marital community. So think of it from the point when you said, I do, uh-huh. to, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: makes sense. But
4: it, between those two statements there, yeah. everything that you have acquired uh, in assets as well as liabilities, and I, and I think that's another thing that people should be aware of, that it's not just – the appreciable assets yes. right if you've got a spending problem or you know we've got a you know it's unfortunate but a lot of people make a dollar and spend 5 yes. well in yeah. that scenario understanding that however you have leveraged yourself credit cards second mortgage third fourth I don't know how far you can go down yeah. that route but if you're to leveraged to the hilt understanding that that is also community property, and that extends to everything from pensions, 401ks, IRAs. uh, I call that the marriage tax. When it gets to that point where we say, I don't, the first question to know is, well, when did you acquire this? Was that after I do? Or did you have something from before I do or after I don't? And we can talk about that here.
1: And Yeah, um, a very good uh, description there, Vincent. And when it comes to mortgages with FHA, because Washington is a community property state, and so FHA looks at, and this is a, new, a little shout out because I actually talked about FHA for the appraisal process. If you're going on an FHA loan, they do look at it as a community property state. And so everything that was inquired, acquired, um, you have to qualify for both of the debts on that. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, you're taking on those liabilities so vincent what about a separate property talk a little bit about that
4: yeah and this is one of the things that a lot of people don't know or not aware of everybody kind of focuses on yeah it's community property state 50 50 <laughs> what you know that that's kind of the end of it and it's not true there's uh especially for those that maybe are in their second or third marriage or just waited uh, until maybe let's say 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s or beyond. Uh-huh. Uh, good for you if you're in that beyond category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in that situation, everything that you have from before marriage is what we are considering separate property. And that's defined in our statute. Uh, for those of you that want to Google it, it's RCW 26.16.010. Mm-hmm. And that defines separate property. And in kind of my uh, take on that, think of it as property that you had prior to that statement I do. So what okay. you came into the marriage with, so if you said, look, in my IRA I had you know X amount of dollars, it still is your money, even though you're married now, uh-huh. that is not subject to I mean there's always exceptions. and so you know, I'll put that as a qualifier, that yes, there are exceptions where you can convert money or assets from before marriage into making them community. Mm -hmm. But simply speaking, if you are able to keep that separate, that is your separate account, you have the statements or other documents to show that it is Uh in fact property that you had prior to marriage, that will be looked at differently. So money that you have in that context is separate and is yours.
1: So then anything that is yours before marriage can it be considered community property or no?
4: It can be, and that's one of those things where if you, what we call, commingle, So you had an account, and Uh it had some money in it, and then you guys bought a house, but you couldn't show the paper trail, and you kind of put it all in the pot together, in the community pot, and then you Uh were buying groceries from there, and then you were adding uh, improvements to your home, and you're not able to show how that money was derived. It can lose its what we call character. It can lose that tag of separate property. So one of the things that is very prudent to do is to make sure that you keep your documents. Be able to show that, yes, I had this account. It had this amount of money. I transferred this amount of money to this account. Uh From that account, I bought this. So that way you can show the court. So a lot of people that even if they're aware that they have separate property, they don't keep a good paper trail. And when you get to the court, Uh, Judicial officers are not CPAs. They're not uh, financial accountants. Uh, And if they can't make a determination as to where did that come from, It will then be recharacterized.
1: So just like in the uh, mortgage world the uh, popular term not a popular fun term but paper trail I mean everything has to be paper trail and documented so getting back to um, uh, debt so assets it makes sense in that let's talk about debts because I meant again I mentioned FHA and financing if you can show that the debts were in your name only and they were before the marriage then they're not used against qualifying if that other spouse is on the loan himself or herself it's only if they're on it together but anything that was purchased at the time or that they check out at the time is both of theirs. So what about when it comes to the law about debts that were acquired prior to getting married?
4: Very similar. And so debts that are acquired prior to marriage, just like assets, would be considered your separate liability. So uh, for the millennials, that comes in a lot of times with student loan debt to say, Uh well, we got married, but I had this student loan. That doesn't all of a sudden become the debt of your spouse. Now, if you continue on your studies after you say I do, to the extent that you are matriculating past that point, yes, then that could be considered uh, some sort of community debt. I mean, there's still other arguments there because you're not going to school on behalf of the other person. But still, simply put, understanding that debts that you have prior to marriage Will continue to be your separate obligation so that's something to know and that's mm-hmm. where you know I know this isn't the topic of this show but prenuptial agreements that's where that talk comes in because what that does is it defines very clearly mm-hmm. who has what from yeah. their debts to their assets so that in the event that it doesn't work out and there's uh, statistics I won't spout those now in regards to ha- uh, chances of uh, success or a marriage yeah. that ends uh, at the time of death or something along those lines so understanding that prenuptial agreements come and they help these conversations yes
1: so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the divide of real estate because I have a lot of clients that come to me when they're going through a divorce and some are selling uh, the property so that they can get the cash that they need to pay out the spouse and the others not so how does that work how are they gonna divide that property
4: yeah and and. You know, one of the things that I'm sure you see this too, Tina, that a lot of couples, what they do, they have one spouse, maybe that's the earner, and one that Mm -hmm. kind of maintains the house or maybe Mm -hmm. doesn't earn as much and maybe is unaware of all of the finances and how things are divided out. And to that, I say that the court is very cold. Uh, It's pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll say it's kind of black and white in regards to, well, if somebody is entitled to half the equity in the house, it doesn't matter right? That if you're trying to keep it, you're trying to take your check and you're trying to balance out all of the bills, uh-huh. simply put on paper, that half is theirs. So to the extent that somebody wants to keep a house and the other party or the other person, spouse says, I want to sell it, I just want my money. If you can pay, if you have the cash available, you can do that. You can mm-hmm. buy them out and then you would have to refinance to get them out of uh, the mortgage and those sort of obligations. And so that's another thing to know as well, that just because uh, you've done that, or maybe even, let's say there's a quick claim deed that's involved, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean uh, when there is a, a mortgage involved that that you are uh, released from your liability that yes. takes an extra step. And mm-hmm. a lot of attorneys, mm-hmm. they don't do that. They just say, oh, sign a quick claim. You don't have any interest, but... Yeah. Uh, that doesn't get whoever your holder is out of the picture because Makes sense. they can still come after
1: you. Yeah. So let's talk about that extravagant gift, oh. a brand new Ferrari, and it was specifically given at a five-year anniversary. So obviously mm. it was a, a gift. How does that come into play?
4: First of all, wow.
2: I know. I know. myself. My husband hasn't given
1: me that extravagant gift. But. I, I was going to say,
4: I want to go for a ride. I'm a yeah. Lambo guy, but I'll, we'll go for a ride. <laughs> Uh, the thing to know there is to, again, ask that question. Is this from before marriage? When did you get that? Uh-huh. I'm assuming in this context that maybe during it was marriage. during marriage. Uh-huh. And so with that, then the next question is, well, did they do it outright? Or is there a debt on that? Because yeah. they said, oh, here here it is for you. I've, I financed it. Well, did we just create uh-huh. a debt there? So that's another question yeah. when somebody's giving extravagant gifts from, oh, here's a nice Rolex or here's some Manolo Blahniks or here's a nice trip out just for you. Is, is, did you pay for that and how did you pay for that? Uh-huh. Where did that money come from? Was that was that my money? Did yeah. you take out another mortgage to give me this yeah. Ferrari? Thank you, but not so really.
1: So the idea that it's a gift, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's still...
4: It, it could still be considered mm-hmm. community property or community debt. So let's just take another assumption and assume that it was uh, separate cash and they pay for it outright. Typically, okay. a gift is a gift and where mm-hmm. you will see this more i guess more realistically than the ferrari is the wedding ring when things go bad and they okay. say "Ah, you know that tiffany solitaire that's seven carats uh-huh. well what happens with that well a lot of times that was given before marriage so now okay. you can see that's well that's separate property yes. and it was a gift got it so, I mean, they can be nice, but a lot of so times... So sad. Yeah. So sad for that husband uh, situation, because usually that's where it's going to come in.
1: So, uh, Vince, if, if your uh, spouse and yourself do a have a, a business together, a co-owned business, that seems like it get really complicated. Um, yeah. I mean, we could probably have a whole show on that question. Uh, so what would that... How do they look at that?
4: Really quickly, I would say that's where you would get outside help. That's where you get a financial advisor or a planner to evaluate the business and then to be able to assign some sort of value to both Uh sides, so... You're right. That maybe, maybe that'll be the next show, but yeah. there's a whole lot to that question.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like really when it, when it comes to um, marriage and really anything else when it comes to law, just making sure that you have everything protected and documented and really understand how everything works because nothing is guaranteed um, and no exceptions there when it comes to marriage. So you just want to make sure that you're looking at the worst case scenario and understanding what that is. And if you need assistance and you've got any legal issue that's going on, uh, really the money are what the show is. Is all about is setting you up with the, the best of the best in the industry in all aspects of protecting your money so that you can have a uh, protect your family. Um, so I encourage for you to call the show and connect with Vincent. And Vincent, thank you so much for coming back in studio.
4: Truly a pleasure. I look forward to that lunch and coffee.
1: Likewise. Thank you. <laughs> this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day.
4: And co-host, Keelan Harvey.
1: Right here at 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back same time, same place next weekend. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.
0: Tina Mitchell, MLO145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO1330075 are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC and MLS7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.